0: All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. It's good to have you guys here. It's good to have everybody in Lawrenceburg and the Shoals. Hey, I know you just got seated. I know you just got comfortable, but would you do me a favor? Come on, let's jump to our feet one more time. I would love for us just to have one more minute together, just really going after the Lord. You know, I believe with all of my heart that, you know, I'm thankful for such a gifted, talented, anointed worship team and But I want you to know, man, it doesn't matter about songs or even sermons. The most important thing that will happen every single time we gather is that you have an encounter with the Lord that you walk out of this room and you know you've experienced his goodness and you've experienced his presence because that's what's gonna change us and that's what's gonna transform us. Jesus, he made this promise. He said, if you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness, like if you'll get this real desire in your heart for me, he said, I'll fill you up. I won't leave you disappointed. And so just for one more minute, can we lift our hands together? Come on, all of our campuses. And I wanna just encourage you just for the next 30 seconds. Come on, just ask God to fill you up today. Ask him to encourage you. Ask him to strengthen you. Come on, ask him to meet you where you are. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. God, with all of our struggles, all of our anxieties and fears and doubts. Father, we come with opportunities and dreams and aspirations, Father, and we recognize you are the answer to all of them. Father, you are our strength. You are our peace. You are our joy. God, you're our victory. God, you're our open door. You are everything. And Jesus, we turn to you today as our Savior. I pray over every person at every campus, Lord, pour out your presence, God, I pray anoint us with your presence, change our lives, set us free. God, fill us with who you are in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody who agreed, said amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord today? Come on, Faith Church. God bless you guys, man. You can be seated. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor at Faith Church, and it's, again, an honor to have you here. If you are Faith Church family at any of our campuses, it's good to have you guys in the house. Again, it's great to have Lawrenceburg and Shoals with us. Come on, let's welcome them. It's good to have you guys in. Everybody else watching online, all of our VIPs, if this is your first time with us, man, we want you to know it's such an honor that you decided to be here. And for all of us, we said every week, come on, we believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, we believe you open up your life to Jesus. It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Come on, I hope you already know that's true. Come on, let's thank him one more time. Well, listen, we are continuing a series today that we started last week entitled RE. Everybody say RE. RE, and where we get that from is that there are several words that describe our spiritual journey, describe who we are and who we're called to be. And we're looking at these four words, one each week, and they all have something in common. It is that prefix, R-E, where we get the sermon series titled RE. These words that we're looking at are renew, remain, remember, and last week we talked about repent. And the word re, the prefix re, is this idea of again and again, of going back to something. And it's this idea that if we're gonna stay in our spiritual journey, if we're gonna stay connected to Christ, if we're gonna really grow in our faith, there are things that we have to keep coming back to. Because how many people know that sometimes we wander astray, sometimes we get off the path, sometimes we're not where we need to be. And so we need to re, we need to come back to something again and again. Last week we talked about this idea of repentance, the repent. And what that means is to change your mind. There are times through life we lose sight of who God is. We get confused about who we are. And what we learned was this word repent means to change your mind, to change the way you think. And we need to keep coming back to who God is. Come on, somebody, we need to keep coming back to really who we are. And so that needs to be a consistent, ongoing part of our life. Again and again, we need to repent and change the way we think. And today I wanna talk about this word, remember. Come on everybody, say remember. Remember is a pretty difficult word because probably if you're like me, immediately there might be some anxiety, like, oh, I don't have a very good memory, I'm out on this message. I'm immediately disqualified from this sermon because I struggle with a poor memory. How many of you here feel like they got a bad memory sometimes? Wave at me, all our campuses. Here's what you need to know right out of the gate, and this will set the pace of where we're going today. If you're taking notes, we need to remember because it's costly to forget. Let me say that again. We need to remember because it's costly to forget. Let me tell you what I mean by that. There is a word called cost analysis or an idea, cost analysis. What a cost analysis is, if you have a a business background, maybe you've heard this word. Cost analysis is when you take something and you look at it and you compare all of the benefits with all of the costs or expenses and you decide, is it a net gain? So a lot of things in life, if we're not careful, we'll look at something and miss the true cost analysis. I'll give you a couple examples. You need to do a cost analysis if you're going to buy a new car. Like it's just easy to figure out what your payment is, to go find a car, go talk to the car salesmen, stop the bank and get a loan, and for you, know, for you to find out what well, your payment's going to be $1,000 dollars a month. and you think that all it's going to cost you is $1,000 dollars a month. Well, that's not true. you have to do a. Cost analysis. And if you do a cost analysis, you'll find out it's not just the car payment. You got insurance, you got registration, you gotta put gas in that thing. And if you're moving from like a little sedan to one of your big old Southern trucks all jacked up, that's gonna cost you a lot of gas. And if you put it all together, what you find out in insurance, maintenance, repair, like all that stuff, your, your cost analysis is not $1,000 a month, it's $1,400 a month. That new whip's gonna cost you something. A cost analysis. Let me give you another cost analysis a uh, free puppy. If you ever see a sign on a telephone pole that says free puppy, the devil put that there. <laughs> there ain't no such thing as a free puppy. Now, you might be able to take that puppy home for free, but that puppy's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost you some carpet you gotta replace where it pees all over it. It's gonna cost you some furniture you gotta replace from your shoes up You got vet bills. You got kindling. You gotta invest time in it. You gotta get new shoes where you step in the poo when you're mowing the grass. It's expensive to get a free puppy. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about. There's no such thing as free, and I don't care how much your kids promise they'll take care of it, they will for the first day, and then it's your puppy. (laughs) Cost analysis. Let me give you one more cost analysis. Relationships, you should do a cost analysis. If you're looking at life and you're like, hey, I don't want to live life alone or I want to have a successful marriage, a lot of times it's easy for us to just look at the benefits. I'm going to have somebody in my corner, someone to laugh at my stupid jokes, someone to be intimate with. like That's a win. But what you'll fail to forget if you don't do a proper cost analysis is you just can't make withdrawals. You got to make deposits. You just can't take from the relationship. You got to give to a relationship. And a lot of us sometimes are way too selfish to be successful in relationships because we're too selfish to give to other people. And if you don't do a proper cost analysis of relationships, you'll get into something and be over your head. You got to look at it and say, what is this thing really going to cost me? Everybody say cost analysis. That's a little business lesson right there. Cost analysis. Here's what you need to know as we navigate this conversation today is, is that there is a, we need to do a cost analysis of a bad memory. I told you we need to remember because forgetting is costly. What I mean by that is, is having a bad memory can be costly. We need to do a cost analysis. Real simple. If you're here, all my my husbands, where's all my husbands at? All the campuses wave at me. If you ever forgot your wife's anniversary, boom, cost analysis. (laughs) It's costly to have a bad memory. Like you're going to sleep on the couch. Things aren't going to go the way you thought for a little bit. Cost analysis. If you ever forget somebody's birthday... If you forget an appointment, if you, have a doc- if you have a doctor's appointment, especially if it's a specialist and you forget that appointment, don't think they're getting in you tomorrow. They'll see you in three months, maybe, if they don't boot you to the curb. It's costly to have a bad memory. I'll give you another one. Did you know that there is a correlation between, uh, between success and likability? There's a correlation between those two things and remembering people's names. If you're good at remembering people's names, you are more likely to be liked and you're more likely to succeed. So there are benefits to having a good memory, and there are are things that you need to consider. There are costs to having a bad memory. Now, this is why this conversation is really important, is because I wonder, what does it cost us to forget God? And what does it cost us? What's the cost analysis that we need to look at today, we're going to look at today, of us forgetting God in our spiritual journey, of us new going through life and forgetting who he is forgetting what he's done forgetting what he said and i'm just telling you it happens to all of us there are times we just get distracted there are times we go through things and we forget who god is we forget what god said and we forget what god has done and what i want to do is i want us to look through the bible because i'm convinced that as you do a cost analysis of being forgetful of not remembering I believe that the entire Bible, especially the Old Testament, is a cost analysis of what happens when you forget God. What I wanna do is I want us to look at the first five books of the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, this will help you. If you've been around the book for a bit, uh, this will just be a fresh reminder. The first five books of the Bible, if you know what I'm saying with me, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Let's say them again, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are the first five books of the Bible. The book of Genesis, just a real quick survey. The book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's, it's God letting us know how creation began, how our relationship with him began. That in the beginning, God said, let there be light and there was light. And God created mankind in his image. God created us for relationship. And it's the first rebellion. Adam and Eve, we stiff-armed God. We decided to be, uh, be a part of cosmic rebellion. And it's God's plan to redeem us and reconnect us to our creator. And you move through the book of Genesis and very soon we find out because God wants us in relationship with him. God picks one man by the name of Abraham. And God tells this old man and his wife, Sarah, that he's gonna bring a nation out of them. Like they're, they're past the time that they can have gifts, but God says, no, nothing's too difficult for me. And God promises to bring forth a nation. And you read through the rest of the book of Genesis and it's Abraham's family line and it ends with him having children, having children, having children, and they end up as slaves in the land of Egypt. That's Genesis. The next book is the book of Exodus. What is it? It's Exodus. And Exodus is this story. It picks up where Genesis left off. The nation of Israel, they're slaves in the land of Egypt, and God refuses to leave his people slaves. And he promises to deliver them, and he sends Moses as a deliverer to confront the greatest king of the season, Pharaoh. And he commands Pharaoh to let God's people go. And he's not there empty handed. He's not there alone. God's got his back. Pharaoh says, I refuse to let the free labor go. And so God sends 10 incredibly powerful plagues on the land of Egypt and on the head of Pharaoh in order for him to break and let God's people go. And God finally gets Pharaoh's attention. And Pharaoh says, hey, I'll tap out. Like a, God, just don't do, don't do anything else. I'll let, I'll let your people go and they leave and they leave out of out of egypt and they're on their way into the wilderness and they come up against the red sea and there they are on the on the shores of the red sea pharaoh has changed his mind and he is in hot pursuit to bring the nation of israel back into slavery and he has brought all of his chariots and all of his horses oh my and all of a sudden man the people start to panic like what are we going to do and god does one more incredible thing and he splits the red sea And the people walk across on dry land. And in Pharaoh's passionate pursuit of God's people, they rush in on the dry land of the Red Sea and God closes the water upon them. Ba-ba-bow. I mean, it's like, wow. And the book of Exodus ends with the nation of Israel now out of Egypt, radically and powerfully delivered. And they're at this place called Mount Sinai where where God is giving his people his law. Book of Leviticus, number three. The book of Leviticus is an overlook of the entire law. It's everything that God requires of his people. It's all of the ceremonies and all of the sacrifices. If you're gonna be my people, this is what I require of you. And then you get to the fourth book, what's it called? Numbers, Numbers. thank you, Numbers. And Numbers picks up right where Exodus leaves off. They come down off the mountain, they get ready to go into the promised land and they're scared, they feel like they're, they're they're too insignificant, they're too small, they're too overcome to defeat the people in the promised land. And so God judges them, and they're forced to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. And I'm just telling you, 40 years, God takes care of his people. Let me say that again. For 40 years, God takes care of his people. Every fight they get into, God fights to fight for them, and they win. Every morning, come on, somebody, every single morning, they wake up to donuts on their doorstep. Every single night, they get protein from heaven. I'm telling you, God was about counting macros long before it was ever popular in our culture. Every morning, carbohydrates, every single evening, protein. God is faithful to feed his people. Every time they get in a fight, God is faithful to fight. And for 40 years, God shows himself strong and faithful. Come on, somebody, that's the God we serve. And then you get to the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy, you know what Deuteronomy is about? Deuteronomy is one long message where it picks up, they're getting ready to leave the wilderness and they're getting ready to go into the promised land, this special place that God said he had for his people. And Moses gathers the people, he says, listen, I gotta tell you something before we go. Before we leave this place in the wilderness, and before we go to the promised land, there's something you need to know. And what you need to know is don't forget to remember. And for the entire book, all he does is he keeps repeating himself. One long sermon, don't forget to remember. Nine times he says the word, where he says, don't forget. Fourteen different times he says, remember. He says, don't forget and remember. What's he say? And remember. Look at the person on one side and say, don't forget. Look at the person on the other side and say, remember. The book of Deuteronomy is synonymously called the book of remembrance. And I want you to hear ultimately what what he is saying to the people is over and over again, these three things. This is what Moses wants the nation of Israel to know going into the promised land is don't forget who God is. When you get into the promised land, don't forget who your God is. Number two, don't forget what God said. Don't forget his commands. Don't forget his promises. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And number three, don't forget what God has done. When you get on the other side, Don't forget how you got here. Don't forget who made a way for you to get here. Don't forget what God has done. I want to read some of these scriptures in Deuteronomy, some of the things that Moses said as he continued to repeat himself, don't forget and remember. Don't forget and remember. In Deuteronomy 4, verse nine, watch this. Moses says, but watch out, be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. Deuteronomy 4.39. So remember this and keep it firmly in mind. The Lord is God both in heaven and on earth, and there is no other. Deuteronomy 6.12. Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 7.18. And don't be afraid of them. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 8.11, beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. Last one, Deuteronomy 8.18. Read this with me. Come on, every voice. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to his ancestors with an oath. And so over and over, Moses keeps saying, hey, don't forget, don't forget God. Don't forget what he said. Don't forget what he's done. Don't forget who he is and you leave, you close the book of Deuteronomy. In the next 900 years, it's recorded in the rest of the Old Testament. It is a cost analysis of what happens when a group of people forget who God is, forget what God said, and forget what God's done. For the next 900 years, every single thing they face is a consequence of them forgetting who God is, forgetting what God said, and forgetting what God's done. They go through seasons of famine. They go through seasons of captivity. They lose battle after battle, lose fight after fight. And I'm just telling you, some of those, some of the most painful moments in the history of the nation of Israel is because of a poor memory. They forget who God is. They forget what he's like. And they start worshiping false gods. They get in, they start worshiping the gods of the area and they forget who God is. That God's a jealous God. And there's no other God besides the most. There's no high like the most high. Some of you need to write that down semantics. There's no high <laughs> like the most high. They get in there and all, they forget. They, they have to fight battles and they look at themselves and they forget what God can do. That you never won any battles because of how strong you were. You won battles because of how strong he was. Come on, they forget how good God has been. They forget his promises and they forget his commands. And for the next 900 years, it's a nation that falls apart because they forget. What does it cost to forget God? And see, here's the funny thing is, it's not just the nation of Israel. It's us. I would say this. If you're, if you're failing, it's because you're forgetting. If you're struggling in your life, it's because you forgot who God is. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you, if, if you are struggling with anxiety and fear and worry and doubt, it's because we have forgotten the promises and the power of God. Come on. There's no way you can look over your shoulder at all the things that God has done in your life and look at the promises he's given us and live with anxiety, fear, doubt, and discouragement. And on the same path, like in all of us, not you guys, but at least first service, and not us here in Florence, but Shoals and Lawrenceburg. Come on, have you, ever, have you ever found yourself in a season of rebellion where you're just stiff-arming God, you're just doing what you want? Like all of us have been there. Do you know how you get there? It's because you have forgotten God's commandments and you have forgotten God's character. And so like, there is this cost now. We got to look and say, okay, God, there are some things that you've commanded me to remember. And sometimes I get distracted and sometimes I get forgetful. And what God is wanting you to know is when you get forgetful, it's going to cost you something. So he commands all of us. Come on, everybody to remember. Everybody say that to remember. You need to remember. You need to keep coming back to the memories of who God is, of what God said and what God has done in our life. And you get to not just the nation of Israel, but there's a guy in the Bible. His name is David. And David epitomizes what it means to remember. Like he is this guy, if you don't know his story, he is a a kind of an insignificant nobody. He is a sheep herder, but he elevates from being a nobody to the king. I'm just telling you, listen to me. You might be looking at your life saying, God can't do anything with me. If he can make a sheep herder a king, he can do anything in your life too. Come on somebody, because God is good and God is powerful. And so But David, if you know his story, he's like this significant figurehead in the history of the nation of Israel. He's somebody that has this incredible relationship with God. He wrote many of the Psalms, these worship songs to God. When you look at his life, he has this connection with God. And if you follow it, it's because over and over again, you figure out he knows the secret sauce. He figured out the secret sauce of success is remembering. And he keeps coming back to this principle. Hey, I'm going to remember God. I'm going to remember. Don't forget what God has done. And there's one like the, probably the most premier, most well-known story of the life of David is the story of David and Goliath. Bathsheba is a good one. We're going to forget that one today, but Goliath, (laughs) David and Goliath is such an incredible story because it epitomizes what happens when you forget and what happens when you remember. Some of you know the story part, David got a part-time job when he was sheep herding, He got a part-time, he was a Grubhub driver. (laughs) His dad sends him on a Grubhub delivery because up to the front lines, because at this point in the history of the nation of Israel, there's a fight breaking out. It is the nation of Israel fighting the nation of the Philistines. They are about to go toe to toe. And they decide, hey, there's no point in all of us getting bloody. Philistines say, hey, we'll send out our best warrior. You send out your best warrior. And whoever wins the fight one-on-one, those are the winners. And so they send out the best of the best. And I'm telling you, this incredible man rolls out from the line of the Philistines coming in at nine foot nine, Goliath. And this lumbering giant rolls out on the battlefield. And this nation that has spent hundreds of years watching God show up, watching God win battles, watching God fight for them, watching God come through, you think they would have all this confidence like, hey, let's go, somebody. It's me and you, and it's about to be all night Donkey Kong. But instead, they stand on the sideline shuddering in their boots. I'm not going out. You go out. I'm not going out. You go out. I know. Let's send Mikey out. (laughs) You got to be old to get that. Don't nobody want to go out and fight Goliath. Do you know why? Because they have forgotten. And here comes David coming up with his Grubhub delivery. He's like, hey guys, hey, what's going on? Like, haven't you heard? Like it's a fight about to go down, but they have sent out a nine foot nine inch giant. Nobody is, everybody's afraid to fight him. Ain't nobody going out there fighting him. You know what David says? David says, I'll fight him. It's like, are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? He said, no, no, no. You're mistaken. If you're looking at who I am, I can't be nobody, but you have forgotten who my God is, and you have forgotten what my God has said, and you have forgotten what my God has done. And so he starts starts remembering. Everybody say remember. He starts running through his memory bank about who God is and what God has said and what God has done. And he says this. He says, the reason I know that I can go out and fight this Philistine giant and win is because the same God who's going to give me strength for that battle is the same God who helped me to kill the Lion and is the same God who helped me to kill the bear. What I'm telling you is if you'll remember the victories that God has given you in your past, it will give you confidence for what you're fighting in the moment because it was God who was with you then and it's God who's with you now. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be overwhelmed with fear. You don't have to have doubt. I'm not saying sometimes those emotions aren't real, but what helps you overcome the emotions of the moment is a good memory about who God is. Come on, somebody. You got to remember. You got to remember. And so David, he rolls out and he kicks giant butt. And this isn't the only time you track it and you understand that like this is his whole mindset. If you forget, you forfeit. Everybody say that. If you forget, you forfeit. If you forget who your God is, you forfeit peace. If you forget what your God has done, you forfeit victory because we'll start looking at ourselves. We'll start wondering, am I enough? And the answer is usually, if not always, no. But if God be for you, who can be against you? It's remembering, remembering, remembering. And again, the entire nation of Israel, they forgot, but David, he like hangs on to the memories, hangs on to what God has said and what God has done. If you're taking notes, remembering God reestablishes us. If you find yourself in a season where you're wrestling with emotions or wrestling with rebellion, you need to remember God. It, It centers us. It brings us back to this moment like, I can do this. I can make it through this. I'm not in this thing alone. And all of a sudden, man, you can have this, you can be reinvigorated with hope and with joy and with peace. Why? Simply remembering, man, that you were never alone in the first place. Every victory, Jesus was on your side. Every victory, God was fighting for you. Every time God came through, he provided for you and made a way, and he is the same, and he is just as good today as he's always been, if you remember. So... David, he writes, there's lots of places we could turn here, but again, a lot of the Psalms, David is writing about remembering. Again, the same theme that keeps getting unpacked. But I want us to look at Psalm 103. And I want you to listen to what David says here. Psalm 103, verse one through five. Everybody at Shoals and Lawrenceburg, come on, Florence, I want us to read this together. This is a great, I want you to listen to what David's saying here. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord with a Wholeheart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Come on, say it together. May I? Yes. Come on, y'all got to say that. May I yes. never forget the good things he does for me. What are the good things? He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercy and fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Anybody here ever experience any of that? I wish y'all would make some noise. <clears throat> Now see, and watch this. If you can't celebrate it, it's because you're forgetting. See, what David is doing here is David is trying to get himself in the, in the mood of worship. He's shown up at church like a lot of you guys do. You know how when you have a rough day in worship or a rough, rough morning and it's hard to worship, like you got up late, you got a speeding ticket on the way here, you had to slap one of your kids and you feel bad about it? I'm not, I'm not advocating that, but it happens. <laughs> You come in, the cafe line is 600 people deep and you cuss under your breath and you finally get into worship service. You've had a bad morning. You're upset, you're mad and worship is going and you're, you got your hands in your pocket and you're like, man, I don't feel like singing. You don't feel like singing because you have forgot. Cause I'm just telling you, this is what David's doing. See, a lot of us, we want to judge how everybody else is worshiping. David is judging himself and he's like, come on, man, get your worship on fool. Dave's like, I don't feel like it. He's having a conversation with himself. Yes, you do. You know why you don't feel like worshiping God? Because you have forgot what he's done for you. Bless the Lord. Come on. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And forget not all his benefits. If you ain't worshiping, it's because you forgot. Because you can't think about how good God's been and keep your hands in your pocket. You can't think about all the victories he's done in your life and not sing and shout. You can't think about the goodness of the cross of Calvary where he paid the price of all of our sin and not get your shout on. Come on, somebody. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And forget not all his benefits. See, all of a sudden you start thinking about what God has done, how God has shown up, how God has brought peace in your life where you didn't think you can find it, where God set you free from a season of struggle, where you thought you would always be stuck, where God made a way to do something in your marriage that you thought was on the rocks and on the way to divorce court. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking, I'm, I'm talking about some people in this room or someone in our campuses. Come on, have you ever had some sin in your life and you knew you could turn to Jesus and he would forgive you and he would restore you? This is what he's saying. He says, hey, let's start start counting some stuff out. This is the God who forgives all of our sin, heals all of our disease, redeems our life from destruction, crowns us with loving kindness and mercy. Think about the good things he fills our life with. The problem is, it's not that we don't have, it's not that we've got a bad memory. We're just remembering the wrong things. See, we're great at remembering our sin. I can give you a list of everything I've done wrong day after day because the devil is a great reminder as well. And I'm not telling you we should just casually forget our sin, but one of the things that God calls us to do is remember our Savior. I'm just telling you, I might have sinned, but I can turn to Jesus. And the Bible says, if I will confess my sin, that He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin, forgive us of our sin, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We got to stop remembering our sin and start remembering our Savior. I know you were hurt. I know somebody took advantage of you. I know friends stabbed you in the back. I know significant people in your life cheated on you and spouses betrayed you. I know some of you in this room and some of you in Lawrenceburg and Shoals, I know you have been hurt in a way that you don't wanna publicly even talk about. I'm not telling you to minimize your hurt. What I'm talking about is you remembering your healing, that here you are on the other side and God gave you the strength and the peace and the restoration to make it out of that mess. Come on, I'm talking about remembering who God is and what God has done. I know you've had some breakdowns. I know you had some seasons on the sideline. I'm not talking about remembering the breakdowns. I'm talking about remembering the breakthroughs where God gave you the strength and God gave you the ability to get to the other side. Come on, somebody, that's who our God is. I'm gonna bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Why? Because I, I refuse, I refuse to forget how good he's been and what he's done and what he said. I choose to remember, I choose to remember. Come on, everybody, what do we need to do? We need to remember He says, I know I got some struggles, but I got some successes. I know I got some issues, but I have a good God who is faithful, who's made promises. And so what David is saying is like, yeah, I got anxiety and yeah, I got some doubts and I got some fears and sometimes I get off track, but what gets me back centered, what reestablishes me is when I remember, what reestablishes me is when I remember, And he starts cycling through everything that God has said, everything that God's done in his life. And all of a sudden, man, this dude is jumping, dancing, running, shouting, and singing. Why? He's worshiping because he remembers. His whole demeanor has changed in life because he remembers. See, God understands the power of a memory. That if we'll set our focus, if we'll set our minds, the word remember, what it means is to put in the forefront of your mind. It's the thing you're focused on. It's not that you don't have things in your peripheral, but it's the thing you see. I choose out of all the mess of life to center my focus on the goodness of God, to fix my focus on the promise of God, to remember his goodness in my past and everything he's done. And if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, like I know he is, if God gave me victory in the past, God's gonna give me victory today. Come on, I wish somebody would make some noise about the goodness of God. (laughs) Now, here's the thing if you're taking notes, your recollection can lead to a reconnection. If you're struggling right now in your relationship with God, I would encourage you to take some time and start thinking about and remembering what he's done for you. You can be reconnected in a powerful way in your relationship with Jesus, just through recollection, just through remembering. Now, all the stuff that David remembered, that's a long list. I'll I'll be honest, thinking about all the things he's done, all the ways he's come through, that's a long list and it's easy to forget. And if you're here and again, like, pastor, you don't understand. I got a bad memory. You don't understand. Like, I, I, I don't know if I can get there. I want you to know something. I'm convinced if God commands us to do something, he'll give us the grace to do it. Which means if God commands us to remember, you can't, you can't get out of this one by saying, but God, I didn't do it because I got a bad memory. No, no, no. Listen to me. You can do it because God called us to do it. Now, the reason you can't do it may not be what you think it is. Again, how many people feel like they have a bad memory? Wave at me. Let me ask another question. All of our campuses, raise your hand. How many of you feel like the older you get, the worse your memory is? Wave at me. Oh, it's all, like all of us. That is the greatest participation I have ever had in my life. And some of you don't even know what I'm talking about because you've already forgot the question. Like, what's he talking about? Listen to this. This is so important you hear this. The reason, they're, 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 this is science now. We're gonna put Bible aside. Just for, this is science. Your brain is like a muscle. And the reason you have a bad memory has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with its use. The same way when you get older, you get flabbier, not me, you, (laughs) is because you're not in the gym. Older people can have muscle tone too, but because we tend to slow down as we get older, we lose muscle. So it's not that you're older and losing muscle, it's because you're getting less mobile and losing muscle. The same thing is true with your memory, has nothing to do with your age. You can work out your muscle. You can work out your memory. The more you practice your memory, the more you, more you work your memory, it increases the strength of neurotransmitters in your brain. And it's, so what God is saying is the more you remember, the more you remember. The more you remember, the more you remember. If you'll practice remembering, he says, all that stuff will start, start coming back. So if God's commanding us to remember, because there's a benefit to remember, God will enable us to remember. I, there's a, there's a function. Um, I love it. There's a lot of people coming back to Facebook and so I don't feel old anymore. Um, so on Facebook, they have this thing. If you're on Facebook, you know, a lot of mornings I pop up and I'm, I'm pretty active on Facebook and there'll be a memory and it'll be like a picture of my family from like five years ago. I posted one maybe about a month ago. My son and I took him shooting. He shot a, a 357 Magnum. It was like, pow, and it was slow motion. And his face like, ah. <laughs> and here's the thing. When I watched that video, like I could remember the day and the weather and where we were at and the laughs we had. and the fun, All from a, it took me back to the moment. And I shared that and I was celebrating. And that's what God's saying. God's saying, if you'll remember the moment, and you have them, you have lots of them. You have lots of times he's shown up. You have lots of times that God has been faithful and God has come through and if you've forgotten him. It just opens the door for fear. And when you remember, it reestablishes us. Remembering reestablishes us. We live in a world, I don't know if you're paying attention, but our president in the last week, or a half, week and a half or so has said the word thermonuclear global warfare like five different times. Now, push the button, baby. I'm ready to go. I kind of want to go like that, so let's be clear. But, like, I'm just telling you. My hope can't be in what the president does or in what Putin does. My hope has to be in something bigger because this world is changing and it's crazy and it's upside down. And so where do we find peace? We gotta remember if we're gonna be reestablished. You're gonna find hope in your memory of who God is. You're gonna find peace in what God has done. You're gonna find confidence for the conflict in front of you. If we will only remember the reason we're here is God got us here. God got us through the last fight. He's gonna get us through this fight. He's gonna get us through the next one. Because that's who our God is. Come on, by shout, remember. Remember. Don't forget to remember. And The problem is we just get distracted and we get discouraged. And it's just easy in life sometimes. It's easy to forget. And that's why nine times Moses said, don't forget. That's why he said 14 times, remember. He just had to keep saying it. And so I just want to challenge us today, Faith Church, what would happen if you chose to remember? And more importantly, what is it costing you when you forget to remember? I promise you, it's costing you peace. It's costing you joy. It's costing you confidence. Probably will allow you to go into a season of rebellion because there's no way you can remember what God has said. Remember who God is and remember what God's done and not be established in him. So as we close today, I wanna give you some homework that landed about as well as I thought it would. (laughs) Now this, for some of you is gonna be like homework you didn't do when you were in school either. And so this is up to you to do it or not, but here's what I would challenge you to do. Moses said, hey, if you're gonna navigate life, you gotta remember. And so I wanna help you empower yourself to remember. I would encourage all of us to do this Today, if you can, maybe when you leave, when you get home and things unwind, or maybe tonight before you go to bed, or maybe first thing tomorrow, get up a little early. And the effort you put into this is the return you'll get on it. I wanna encourage everybody here, everybody in Lawrenceburg, Florence, Shoals, everybody online, I want you to write down three things. Number one, number one, I want you to write down one thing that you need to remember, that you need to remember about who God is. See, sometimes we forget the nature and the character of God. And some of you here, you might might need to remember that God is just. Maybe you've gone through a season where someone hurt you and took advantage of you, and you need to remember that God is just. And I'm telling you, you may not be able to bring a solution to your conflict, but God will deal with it. He is just. Maybe you suffer with shame and guilt and condemnation, and maybe you need to be reminded that God is merciful. His mercy is new every day. He is gracious to a thousand. And that's the thing you need to write down. I just need to remember God is good. I need to remember God is just. I need to remember God's merciful. What is it you need to remember about who God is? Number two thing, I wanna challenge everybody here to write down, everybody in Shoals, everybody in Lawrenceburg. Number two, what is it you need to remember about what God has said? What's the command? What's the promise? What's the dream God gave you that you need to write down? I need to remember. See, some of you, the reason you keep going back to that relationship that's hurting you is because you forgot what God said. The reason you keep getting tied up in stuff that God sets you free from is because you forgot what God said. The reason you don't have hope and peace is because sometimes we just forget what God said. And so what's the one thing that you know God spoke to your heart? You know this promise you read in scripture. And it might take you a while to dig it back up, but I want you to find it and write it down. What's the one thing Well, I need to remember about who God is. Number two, about what God has said. And number three, this should be easy about what God has done. What has God done for you in your life that you can look through, that you can put your finger on? And that's like, man, God did that for me and I can hold on to it. And I just want you to know, if you don't have a good memory and you can't think of anything, all you need to do is look over your right shoulder at the cross of Calvary, where God loved you so radically that he sent his son Jesus to die a painful death, to carry the sin of the world so you could be called and I could be called children of God. Remember what God has done. But I started thinking about this message. Everybody listen, man, I'm almost done. I started thinking, and, and I've, I've lived now, I'll be 51 years old this year. I got saved when I was 17. I've been serving the Lord a long time. It's easy for me to forget. And it's almost worse because being a pastor of hundreds and thousands of people in my own life, I have seen God do so many things. It's really, I have seen God show up in your life. I've heard your stories and your testimony. I have been healed. I've seen God heal people. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears hear. I've watched lame people walk. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen addicts set free. I've seen miracles, financial miracles. I've seen. And I, and I started thinking about all the stuff I've seen. My like, God, how could I ever doubt you? How could I ever? How could I ever lose faith? How could I ever lose confidence? You have been good day after day after day to me and those around me. You have been faithful to a thousand generations. And I thought of one story, and you may not think it's, I could share a miracle healing testimony, but there's one story the Lord brought to my memory. Can I share it with you? It happened about 15 years ago. My dad was kind of on the backside. He was coming up to retirement. He wasn't ready to retire, couldn't afford to retire. But my dad has been a machinist his entire life. A machinist is somebody that takes a lump of metal and through the process of machining it, gets it in the dimensions of whoever ordered it, how they want it. And my dad was a manual machinist, which means he used cranks and levers. That's what they had done for years and years and years. And the industry was changing from manual machinists to CNC machinists, which they program, computer program these machines to do the work. My dad never had that training, never had that experience, and he lost his job. And he started looking for a new one and couldn't find one everywhere he went because it was the new way To run machines was through CNC. He had no CNC history, had no CNC experience, and he couldn't get a job. Nobody wanted to hire someone on the backside of retirement without the experience they needed. So I watched my dad just start getting defeated. Women get their value from relationship. Men get their value from employment, what we do. And I just watched my dad go through a really tough, he just couldn't get a job. Nobody would hire him. And I was like, man, I wish I could help my dad. I mean, he's, he's never gonna go back to school at his age, he's probably can't afford to go back to school. And I remember just carrying this pain for him. It's like, man, I wish I could help him. And one day I'm just kind of surfing through the internet and I come across this school and they help people. they send you the materials so you can do like this online training to learn CNC machining. And it's like $2,000. Well, I didn't have $2,000. I knew my dad didn't have $2,000. I'm gonna think like, man, I wish I, if I could just get that resource from my dad, like he could learn at home. He could learn, he can get back in the job and find. And I remember praying like, Lord, will you just make a way? I don't know how, I, I can't pay for this, but, and so I just found the number on the website and I called. I don't even know who answered the phone, but I, here's what I said. I said, you don't know me and I don't know you, but I came across your website. And let me just tell you, my dad's been a machinist for 30 years and he's old school. He's a manual machinist. And he, only place hiring, only place you can get a job is through CNC. He don't know CNC. And I've seen you guys have some resources and I can't pay for it. And I just, I don't even know what I'm asking. And I'll never forget the guy said, I can send them to you for free. If that would help. I've never done this before, but I just feel like right now I should help you. And would that help? I'm like on the other phone, like a little kid crying for my dad and crying. like, would that help? And that's such a small story, but I'm telling you like, this guy I don't know gave me $2,000 worth of material for a guy he doesn't know. And I could tell you story after story, after story, after story of how the God we serve is faithful and he's good. I didn't say life's good, life sucks sometimes, but God's good. If you're going through a tough time, maybe it's because you forgot. If you're in doubt or discouragement, Maybe it's because you need to stir up your memory. Don't forget to remember. Today, as we close, we get the opportunity to remember one of the things Jesus commands us to remember, and that's his sacrifice on the cross. This morning, I would love it if you stand together with me, Faith Church, as we take communion together as a family. see Jesus just before he was crucified just before he laid down his life he sat at a dinner table with his disciples and he commanded them to do exactly what we've been talking about today he's saying listen when you leave this time you're gonna go through persecution and you're gonna go through chaos you're gonna go through times of doubt but he says what you need to come back to is you need to remember who I am and you need to remember what I've done for you when you're looking at your life wondering am I enough are you enough to connect with God you need to remember what I've done for you when you question Can you really have a relationship with the Father? You need to remember what I've done for you. Remember that I paid the price for your sin. Remember that I carried your guilt and your shame so you wouldn't have to. Remember that I was broken so you could be made whole. And that's what we celebrate in communion. We celebrate the finished work of Jesus, his body broken and his blood shed so we could be called children of God. As we take the wafer together that represents the body of Jesus faith church can i just invite you for the next few moments right where you are to bow your head and just remember come on just lean in on his sacrifice for you come on close your eyes and put everything out around you and just under your breath maybe you can just whisper say thank you jesus that you love me that you sacrificed for me that you gave it all so i could be yours forever 2,000 years ago, Jesus was beaten and whipped and forced to carry an old rugged cross to the hill of Golgotha, the place of the death so we could be whole. As we take the bread together, come on, can we give thanks? Father, we're so grateful. We honor you today. We celebrate your sacrifice and we choose to remember what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we take the cup that represents his blood shed for you, Shed for me. We remember. We remember. It's not us, it's Him. It's not how good you are, it's how good He is. It's not what you've done, it's what He's done. And 2,000 years ago on the cross, Jesus said these words It is finished, and we choose to remember. Can we take the cup together? Our worship team is going to lead us in one song. I just would encourage you to hang out for just one more minute. Let's just honor the Lord as we remember today.